Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Immediately, Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to Bethsaida while He dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Thanks, Ayla. You can have a seat. I can see Jimmy is still getting you every Sunday. When you go sit down, then you got to stand back up again. you got to watch Jimmy. Gotta watch them real close. Hey, we've uh, been in a series. I'm just kidding, Jimmy. Uh, We have been in a series that we call In the moment. And last week I preached a sermon that was basically about um, the mundane question of how are you is an opportunity to actually experience something meaningful with God. And we've been walking through the series and when I preached this message last week, uh, we've been joking in the office this week because it kind of backfired on us, mainly because we preached that sermon and all of us in first service walked out and everyone in second service wanted to ask us the question, how are you? So we just wanted to dodge everyone that could be. It was like, don't ask me, don't ask me, don't ask me. I don't want to apply this sermon right now. And we just kind of kept going on with our lives. So hopefully this week, this will not backfire whatsoever, or maybe just backfire in a different way. We have been in this series expecting God to show up and happen in meaningful ways in unexpected ways. And today, I want to actually have a word with the inner dialogue inside your mind. I want to talk to that voice that tells you what is coming up. I want to talk to that voice that is constantly reminding you what that thing is that you are dreading in life or maybe what you are fearing in life. My grandfather used to tell a story that I think really embodies this voice well. Uh, My grandfather grew up off the tail end of the Depression. And one of the ways that he found to actually make a living was that he would find appliances and electronics. And as soon as they would hit the market, brand new things, he would take them apart and he would try to learn how to put them back together because he found that he could actually make his living through putting these different things back together or fixing them or repairing them. Now, one of the things that he did, that he did growing up, they made a lot of money through, was learning how to fix ice boxes. Now, if you've never heard the term ice box before, that is an ancient terminology for a refrigerator, okay? These were ancient words that people used to use, okay? Now, Ice boxes back then, that was more of like my time, okay? That was when life was simpler. I'm talking like shows like Andy Griffith, things that you've never heard of, that more my time, not your time. You know what I'm saying. 
See what I'm doing there? You get it. He would fix these ice boxes. And one of my favorite stories he used to tell is when he first, when ice boxes first came out, he had a lady call him up that was a neighbor. She calls him up one night right after installing this ice box and goes, you've got to come over to my house right now. And he says, right now, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. I need you to show up right now. He shows up and she says, my ice box is not working correctly. It keeps making ice. So every hour on the hour, this woman would wake up, she would go to her ice box, and she would take the ice that it had made, and she would dump it out to make sure that the ice did not overflow. Now, if you're catching where this is going in the story, simply, if she would have stopped dumping the ice, she, she would have been fine. And when my grandfather is hearing her processing, he's looking around her house, and there's ice everywhere. There's ice in all the glasses. There's ice in the dog bowl. There's ice in the front yard. And why I tell you that story about the icebox is because I want you to hear that her fear of what could happen ended up actually happening. And I want to tell you that today, in this moment, you are doing something that's the equivalent. Maybe your choice just isn't an icebox. So before we get to your story and how you are doing this right now with your life in one way or another, let's move to the story that Mark gives us first. If you have your Bible this morning, I would encourage you to actually turn to it. Some of you are going to pull it up on your phones. You can do that as well. But I want you to turn to this passage in Mark 6. We're going to reflect on it for a minute. To be able to figure out about that voice that keeps bugging you. Now, Mark 6, this story that Haley just read, if you grew up in church or around the Bible a little bit, this feels like a Christian rerun in a lot of ways. You know, you hear this story and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. If, you know, if I get in the boat with Jesus and I, I believe in him, I can walk on the water as well. And that is not the story that Mark is giving you. That may be what the Christian bookstore Mardell is trying to sell you, but this is not the story of Mark. Mark is giving you a story of an everyday life wrestling and struggle and how Jesus enters into that everyday life and struggle. Now, I want to bring your attention to how he describes this storm that the disciples are facing. Now, in Mark 6, 48, read with me in your Bible. Now, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because of the wind that was against them. Shortly before the dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake, and he was about to pass by them. The first thing I want you to catch your attention to is this word right here. The disciples were straining. Now, this word straining would also be from the root word of torture. This would be the same parallel word. In essence, Mark's trying to tell you, I'm giving you a story of people who are working against themselves, that are straining, that are being tortured, trying to make it from one point in life to the next point in life. Now, this should already be ringing true to what your life is. Have you had some weeks where you're straining? Have you had some weeks where you feel like life is just completely pushing against you? And what tortures us is the what ifs. 
as you walk through your week, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And in this moment, when the disciples are straining, they're being tortured, they're trying to move from point A to point B, Jesus actually steps into this moment with them of the what ifs. There is an author by the name of um, Beek Vander Shkushkoff. Oof, that took 15 minutes of my work week this week just to get ready for that name. She's a Belgian writer that actually talks about the three emotions in your life that will torture you. She says one of them is fear, one of them is anger, and one of them is sadness. Now she says fear is different than the other two. Now, when it comes to sadness, she has what she calls the release valve. That when you feel sadness in your life, there is a way to get it expressed. She calls tears, this is beautiful, this is just brilliant writing. She goes, tears are like sadness in a water glass for our life. When you feel sadness, there is a way for you to express it and to actually get it out. The same with anger. Sadness is something that leaks out of us. Anger is something that we throw out of us. Anger is something that we try to actually push out. We vent it out. We exercise. We use words. Some of you used very creative words this week. When we are angry, there is a release valve for our anger. But here's what makes fear different. There's no release valve. It's not as organic. It's not as natural. When you fear something, when something keeps you up at night, there's not as easy of a way to express it. Here's how she says it. Most often, I'm not going to say her name again, most often, there's nothing we can do to lighten or release it, it just meaning fear. Fear paralyzes us. And it paralyzes us to the very thing which robs us of the strength we would need to combat it. We can beat a drum, we can rage in profanity, I know none of you would do that, or cry tears, but fear remains. The object of our fear doesn't go away simply because we wish it away. Fear can only be suffered. We have to live with it until it recedes on its own. Fear has to be handled differently. Moving from point A in life to point B in life has to be handled differently. And this is where I want you to invite I want to invite you towards how life with God is different than how the rest of the world can handle fear. That when it comes to life with God and notice in the story that God's main purpose is not to take your fears and always remove them. But instead God enters into your fears and helps you navigate them. Notice that Jesus does not just push them off of the lake immediately, but instead hops in the boat with them. That the one who says, it is I, speaks to your what ifs that you have in the moment. Okay, now that was very artistic, but now you're saying, what does that practically actually mean? Now I'll get out of my journalist mode and move to just practically. Here's what this means. You, with your fears in life, need to let God pass by you. Do you notice that language in the text? That 
as Jesus is on the water, he passes by. It, it's a very peculiar text to be read. The disciples are straying at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before the dawn, they went out. And, da, 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 da. and then Mark throws in this last word. He was about to pass by them. Who thinks that's helpful? What was Jesus doing? Was he on his way to 7-Eleven because there was a two-for-one deal with a Slurpee? It just sounds like Jesus was walking by and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, y'all are struggling. Let me enter over here. What does he mean by passing them by? The Bible wants you to know that the work of God is a passing by work. Now, it takes a little of explanation to get there for that. In this moment with the story of Jesus, this is so important in understanding the whole Bible because sometimes you read a part of the Bible and you're like, what is going on here? When you read the whole Bible, you understand that the story of Jesus is not a new story. It's actually a continuation of a story. For those of you who have your Bibles, I'm going to tell you, take your finger and keep it on Mark, and I'm going to invite you to turn to the front half of your Bible to Exodus 33, okay? If you just start flipping back and get close to the front, you will see there is a chapter or a book that's called Exodus and if you move to Exodus 33, it's going to tell us a little bit about that story. So Exodus is this story where you've got God's people moving. There's a leader of God's people, Moses. And God's story starts with enslaved people being freed. And Moses is the leader of these enslaved people who are being free. Now Moses is new to this God who is named Yahweh. And Moses is basically like, hey, if I'm about to start this journey with you, I need to know who you are. And here is how it actually reads, starting in uh, Exodus 33, verse 18. And then Moses, the leader of this people, said, now show me your glory. In other words, reveal to me who you are. In verse 19, and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my, watch it, when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you will not be able to see. Moses says, I want to see who you are. And three times, Yahweh tells him, I will pass by you. That God's work is passing by you. What does passing by you mean? It just means this. God is preparing Moses for a time where Moses will struggle to see God. And he's showing him a moment with God so he can remember him in the time where it is hard to actually remember him. This is what it means for God to pass by. And Mark is using this same language of saying Jesus was passing by. This is Mark's shorthand of being like, don't forget. Don't forget 
the moments of the past that will help you remember the moments in the present. What God did in Exodus with the wind and the waves and the cleft of the rock, Jesus in human form is doing what God's done in the past in the present. But He's doing it in this new way with Jesus. And you read this text and you're like, how in the world am I supposed to know the past by? How are the disciples supposed to know that that's the past by language? And this is where you got to watch Mark really fast, okay? You got to watch Mark just like you got to watch Jimmy, okay? They're just moving back and forth on you. Mark actually, I'm so sorry, Jimmy. That's just, that's a running joke today. Here's how Mark tells you, oh, they knew. They knew and they had that moment. And by the way, you had that moment too. Here's how Mark actually tells you. After the moment happens in the boat, they get to the other side, they get out. He tells you, for they had not understood the loaves because their hearts were hardened. This is Mark. He's hinting at you here. Now you're like, what about the loaves? What is this go? We were just talking about the cleft of the rock and now we're in the loaves. What's happening here? Right before this story, Jesus takes this sack lunch, a sonic of a meal, and turns it into Jack Allen's, okay? Okay, a feast. Feeds thousands. And Mark wants to let you know right after the disciples experience this unique moment with Jesus, they get on the water, and they experience Jesus walking, and they completely forget about the loaves and what had happened here. Can I give you some shorthand for what Mark is doing in this text? He's trying to tell you that if the disciples don't miss this, if the disciples would have reflected on the loaves, they would have reacted different on the water. That if they would have reflected first, they would have reacted differently in the moment. And Mark actually tells us that their hearts were hardened. For those of you who love your Bible, that is the exact same word that's used for Pharaoh in the Exodus story. That just like the disciples, the one who was oppressing God's people at one point, that couldn't see God was doing something, their hearts were the same. And here's the thing about a hardened heart. A hardened heart is not just a forgetful heart. A hardened heart is a heart that's closed off that it not only is forgetful but it actually is limited when it comes to what God is doing and this is the work of people of faith to be able to reflect on the past of what God has done to be able to react appropriately in the present moment we are people who need to have heart checks, that we need to reflect on the past to not be able to miss what God is doing in the present. Can I invite you to evaluate your heart this morning? Has your heart, after this past year, has it been hardened? Our hearts have been through a lot this year. Are they hardened? Are you hardened towards change, even though that God has brought change through you in the past? Are you hardened towards people in your life, in your work, in your office, in your family, changing even though God has changed you? 
Have you been snappy with people this week because of what is on your mind? When no one else knows what you are fearful of on your mind, are you cynical? Are you sarcastic right now towards anything in the future because your heart has been let down in the past? Are you not open to creating new possibilities even though that God calls you a new creation? Are our hearts hardened? And this isn't something that's just individual that we have to ask about. I think it's something we have to ask collectively. It's something we have to watch out for as a church is sometimes we will have such great moments in the past that we will be fixated on trying to bring moments we experienced in the past instead of reflecting on what is God wanting to do in this moment with us, with Round Rock Church of Christ right now. We have to be careful to not let our hearts be hardened. Because when we miss what God is doing in the present because we haven't reflected on the past, it makes everything harder. Can I go back to your story? I'd like to go back to your story by going back to the icebox story. Here's what I think is happening in some of our lives because of what 2020 has just done to us, what our hearts have been let down. You, in some way, metaphorically, You, just like this woman that my grandfather experienced, you are dumping out the ice in your life right now. You are dumping out the ways that God has been present and the ways that God has provided for you with whatever the latest fear is that is in your life. And you have to be so careful to not just dump out the experiences that whatever you encounter next in this moment this week, that your heart is not hardened to say, God was with me in the past, and God will be with me in the present. God has been with this church in the past, and God will be with us in the present. To be able to not have hardened hearts. To be able to see that God is with us as God has always been with us. Not to dump out the ice. Let's go back to Mark one more time. Because there's a really good helpful word for people who maybe have had their hearts hardened this week. In Mark 6, verse 53, Mark finishes the story like this. And when they had crossed over, they landed in Gennesaret and anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. And they ran throughout the whole region and they carried the sick on the mats to wherever He was that they heard. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace and they begged him to let them touch the edge of his cloak. And all those who touched were healed. Here's the great news if your heart has been hardened this week. That Jesus in the moment where his disciples miss him, you know what Jesus does again? Reveals himself. That when the disciples miss the loaves, when they miss the water, the next thing is, is that Jesus reveals himself again. This week, when you go out, you will have an opportunity. Even if last week was a terrible week, even if last week was a great week, you will have a moment to be able to see God at work in your life again. That the God who revealed himself in the past will reveal himself in the future. And if you come today and you're like, I'm just not even sure I believe in God. I'm not even sure about God. One of the things I would love to comfort you with and just let you chew on is that that breath 
that you just took was a way of God being present. That was something completely out of your control. And that there is a God who desires relationship with you that has been in every past moment and would like something different in the present moment. That this God wants us to soften our hearts. For people who struggle to know, I, I'm not fearing right now, here's the thing I want to leave you with. What keeps you up at night? What gets in the way of you falling asleep? Sometimes what gets in the way of you falling asleep, whatever that dialogue is that's at the end of your day, whatever that is, that tends to point to what we fear and what we depend on all the time. It's why we keep up at night about loved ones and their diagnosis. It's why we stay up at night thinking about our job. That there's an opportunity for us to be able to know that God is present just like God has been present in the past. I want to encourage you that some of us are putting stress on our bodies, on our relationship, and our family in ways that if we are not handing over our present moments to God, our fears will consume us. Life with God is an invitation to trust God's faithfulness even in our tears. It's a life of opening up our hearts instead of closing them. It's a life of not forgetting the bread. It's a life of not trusting that there will be ice in the morning. It's a life of being brave in the present because God has been present in the past. And it's a life of remembering that the present moment is Jesus coming ahead of us on the horizon. No matter what you fear, no matter what, is coming along your way this week. I want to close a little different today. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And I'm actually going to just close this out in a prayer. But the way I'm going to pray is I'm going to start the prayer and I'm going to let you finish. That I'm going to actually bring us before God and then I want you to just vocalize, God, here's what's bugging me this week. Will you remind me of how you've been with me in the past? And then we're just going to sing together over the fears that we may hold or that we don't even know that we hold. So let's pray. So God, we are thankful for how you bring us into this space all centered towards you. God, for this next couple of seconds, can you illuminate our hearts? Can we be honest with ourselves of what we carry, of what we fear, of what we're dreading? May you remind us of how you have been there in the past and you are here with us now. May you hear our hearts in a moment as we think about what has hardened our hearts and made us depend on something else. So Lord, may you just hear our prayers for a couple seconds of what we fear about.
God, we pray for you to reveal yourself in this moment. For those who are so discomforted, God, may you bring them comfort this week. May we depend on you just like we've depended on you in the past. We put all this in your son's name of Jesus. Amen.